Traded football for some fight gear, then got punched right in the face. Woke up with a baby, puke all over the place. But I keep the ground with TYK, this is the best I've ever felt. Started doing stand up, there's a new hand I've been dealt. So right before this makeup on my face begins to melt, it's time to go below the belt. It's Monday morning. Welcome to Below the Belt. Here we are, man, fresh off the plane from Denver, Colorado, the hometown. I was in my hometown this past weekend performing at the Comedy Works downtown, one of the best clubs on the goddamn planet. It's fantastic, man. I am so proud to be from Denver. And uh, it was just such a great time, man. It's all my friends, family. Um, Cody Diamond picked me up. Uh, he texted me on Friday. I had, so I had press Friday morning, and I don't really do press anymore, not just because of COVID. I just don't do it anymore. Uh, but in Denver, I do, because remember, I came up with those guys. So the Willie B's of the world, the Scott Hastings, um, 104.3, all, all those guys I came up with because when I was younger and I was fighting like the local scene, like Ring of Fire, even when I was playing football at University of Colorado, they were the press because they were the biggest shows in town. They still are. And radio still matters in Denver. It matters in L.A. too. There's, you know, there's Big Boy here and Nick Cannon and stuff like that. But uh, in Denver, it's like uh, it's just what you do, man. So you want to see those people. And, they're, you know, I've, I've known them for, what, 20 years now? So um, whenever I'm in town, um, I make sure I link up with them. So like Willie B, I think they're 107, like three now, but they used to be 106.7 KBPI forever. And there's a post of me and Willie B uh, on my Instagram. But um, yeah, his house caught on fire. His, house, his, his whole house caught on fire. Now, Willie B is a guy, he has a car show. I forget what network's on. He has a car show. So people would say, you know, Rogan's a gearhead or Jay Leno's definitely a gearhead or maybe, you know, I'm into cars. I do not consider myself a gearhead. I can change oil. I can change tires. That's about it, man. I can't do headers and turbos and pulleys and all that shit. Willie B is the biggest gearhead in the world. He is a guy who can take a car from a frame and build it out hand by hand. He can do the body work. He can rebuild engines. He can build engines from scratch, and that's what he's doing. He's telling me uh, some some cop, um, he, some something happened to him. I don't know if he had cancer or something like that, but he went to his house just to say what's up to him. That's how good of a guy Willie B is. He went to his house to say what's up to him and saw he had like an old school uh, Dodge uh, Challenger there, like a 70s Dodge Challenger. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm, you know, hopefully I can get around to getting this car done. And he's like, oh, give it to me, man. I'll do it for you. So he's doing this guy's uh, Challenger just by himself. All the body work paint literally you name it willie b does it dude he's such a good person man me and him have uh so much in common because he's older than me but he um he's married to uh i think she, i think she's mexican definitely latino married to a latino two little kids so me and him just go back and forth what's like being married to a goddamn mexican how <laughs> tough life can be with that stuff but uh yeah just a good dude man i saw, saw scott hastings who my mom's good friends with. And Scott Hastings was a Denver legend, played for the uh, Denver Nuggets. He's the play-by-play guy, uh, color analyst, sorry, color analyst for the Denver Nuggets. And he hasn't been in studio uh, during the entire pandemic and came in just for me. And it was him, and they surprised me, him and then my boy Matt McChesney, 
who's a real focal point in Denver now. He has a gym, I think it's called Zero or Six Six Zero or Sixty Zero. And what he does now is he takes uh damn you're spilling stuff. Machesney? Matt McChesney. Machesney. 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 Maches it is tough, I'll give you that. <laughs> oh, McChesney. Yeah, McChesney. Oh. So he was the captain of my football team when I played at University of Colorado. And uh, went on to play for the the uh, Broncos and the Jets. And he, he was a D-tackle when he played uh, for University of Colorado. And he's such a beast athlete, such a freak. When he got to the NFL, they switched him over to guard. And he became a starter for the Denver Broncos and the Jets at guard. So he retired. And then he now uh, does performance coaching to get um, kids ready for big-time college football. I think he said, there it is. Uh, uh, six zero, six zero, six zero. So that's in Denver, and there's Matt, owner, head coach, all the tattoos in the world. He uh gets kids ready for the NFL, and I think he said he out of his group of guys, he put over forty high school players into major Division one programs. And we're just talking about the state of like CU football and how they're not tough anymore, and how he has these kids and they're going to Florida and Alabama. He's like such a shame because they're Colorado kids, but none of them, you know, when they were growing up, Colorado wasn't like hip it wasn't the team so they're all they didn't consider see you which is fucking heartbreaking man heartbreaking so hopefully that team can get some identity and fucking figure it out man but when i was at uh doing press with him he goes oh you going to the game i go uh the bus game he goes yeah i got shows man i got shows on saturday night he goes no it's a noon the shows the the game's at noon i was like oh shit i can do that man so um they hook us up with tickets and i bring my dad, my brother, and all the guys with me. So David, Chappelle, and they give us a box. So it fit like eight people. And it was right at the end zone. And there's a video going around when USC scores a touchdown and the guy's like celebrating. You can see the whole squad. And I do not look happy. I haven't been back to University of Colorado in Boulder since I last played a football game. I think it was when we lost to Nebraska. I think that was my last game at Folsom Field as a CU buff. Last game was against Clemson in the Tangerine Bowl. Uh, yeah, against Clemson. That was my last football game ever. And then, right, I had a cappuccino with the Buffalo Bills, but never played a football game after that. Um, but I haven't been back to Boulder since then. And I go with my whole, uh, you know, the, the guys who toured me, Chappelle. Chappelle was saying how much better he is than the cheerleaders that SC <laughs> and CU has. He goes, I can do better than them right now. I was like, well, fucking get out there and do it, you thick ass, man. Yeah, they got their ass beat by SC. It was expected, I think. It's, it's a shame. What's crazy is that stadium, Folsom Field, again, I haven't been back there since. And we're sitting there, and I'm a guy that I never smell the roses. I never stop and smell the roses, ever. I move on to the next thing. I have a million things going on. Um, and I just never look back on anything ever, ever. It could be a week ago. I don't engage with any of that stuff. You know, if, if there's, there's people, someone's hating on me, I don't engage in any because I'm moving so fast. It's last week's news. I'm fucking moving forward. So a lot of people are like, oh, how come you don't engage with stuff? Because I don't care, man. I'm moving at a million fucking miles an hour. It's very, very rare. I look back and see what's going on. Was that the football game? I didn't even think about it. I'm driving with my dad. My dad and brother never missed a football game uh, when I played for CU. Whether it was at home, obviously they went to home games. Went around the road, they would drive or fly to every game, whether it's Texas A&M, Stillwater in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I, we played at Miami. They went to the Tangerine Bowl, at Nebraska, at Missouri, at K-State, at Kansas. They went to every single freaking game that I ever played in. 
you know, we're just there sitting. And I didn't think it, you know, I was like, yeah, my dad's there. My brother, see you game. You know, it's just another game. And dude, we sit down and I'm looking uh, at the stadium. I'm like, God, this place is fucking cool, man. God, I hope they get good. I'm thinking all that. And then I start tearing up. I start <laughs> tearing up and it fucking hit me, man. But I had glasses on. So my dad, my brother, and especially David Lucas can see me crying. I don't want his fucking professional roast ass seeing me crying because I don't hear the end of it. And I have tears coming down my face. My dad goes, Dad, you're sweating. I go, yep, sweating, Dad. Wasn't that hot out at all. Uh, but it hit me, man. I just, I, it just, all, like, I think sometimes, like, certain memories will be triggered by whatever it is. And there's a, a certain memory happened, a play that I had against CSU there. And then, yeah, I started crying because I was thinking about all the shit that I've done inside that stadium that got me to where I'm at now. So when people talk about work ethic or mental toughness, all that came from playing at University of Colorado because I was looking at the, the bleachers and those were filled. And to get to our seats, you had to go through the... Uh, what do they call it? It's like the indoor gymnasium thing where like the other teams practice that, but it's like indoor, it's old school, man. It's real shitty. It's right behind uh, the stadium, but uh, you get, you got to walk through to get to your tickets. I haven't been in that indoor gymnasium since my senior year. And that's where we do uh, winter conditioning called dirty dozens. Well, dirty dozens. And I think every division one team does this. I don't know about today. I don't know if they can get away with it. I don't, I don't know if they can dirty dozens. So when, when uh, the way college football works in the winter and spring is when all the new kids come in. So the walk-ons, the new, the, sometimes the new uh, uh, freshmen come in there, but you, the team's full and they have to cut it down. I think the 103 or some sh shit like that on division one team, but you have about 150 kids and that winter conditioning, you had to be red, dressed and ready to go at 5 a.m. And they would break you into different teams and there'd be there'd be different stations and it was like footwork, but it was all conditioning. And at the end, so let's say you hit a cone or you tripped over something or you uh, didn't hear the whistle and you started late or you started early. Um, there'd be a guy who went around who was a goddamn Nazi and he'd just do little ticks on his, on his paper. He'd do little ticks, ticks, ticks. Well, when he did those checks, that was a sprint at the end. So if I made a mistake, the whole team had to sprint. So whoever it was and think about it, out of 150, 50 fucking guys think how many sprints we had to run at the end so you're like you're talking 30 to 40 sprints sometimes after you competed in these little drills that were insane and so we're walking through and just the smell that was just like boom just triggered me man brought me right back to it not not a bad way in a great way let's take a little break from chatting about the fights because DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports brand partner of the NFL and UFC has week five offer every football fan should jump on in on new customers can bet just one dollar on any NFL game and win a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a point that last zero zero time the NFL was in 1943 so this is a no-brainer all right probably don't bet on my Broncos we played our you know, we were 3-0, but we played the worst teams in the league. Then we got our ass beat by the Ravens. It looks like you should be betting on the Cardinals. Cardinals, and I bet you my Rams bounce back as well. Team's the Broncos, but I'm in L.A., so all I do is see Ram shit, so I kind of roll with the Rams. Listen, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long 
with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings has given all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code BTB. Throw down $1 in any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's promo code BTB this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports bet partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gamplum, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All we're trying to do is feel better, man. That's all we're all trying to do. And my friends at Feels is a better way to feel better. All right. They have premium CBD. We'll keep your head clear and help you feel your best. CBD has proven to greatly reduce anxiety, pain, sleepiness. All right. I use it every single night. I take CBD every night. My kiddo takes CBD. It's well documented. He had some issues with vaccines and CBD really helped them out. All right. Uh, but you got to be able to trust it, man. You got to be able to trust it because the CBD world is complicated and feels all right. They make the process as simple as possible so you can start feeling better about your purchase and what you're putting in your body. All right. Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help you guide you through your whole process, man. So is CBD right for you. I think it is. Feels hassle-free membership program is guaranteed to help you feel your best month after month or your money back. It's that freaking simple. Ship direct to your doorstep only in a few days. Feels is the new natural, healthy, better way to feel. I swear by CBD, man. I use it for me, my family, every single day. I use it for my anxiety with all the shows I do on the road. It's the one thing that I cannot forget. I swear by CBD. Changed my life, changed my family's life. So if I'm pitching you guys CBD company, it is as legit as it gets because I give it to not only myself, but also my family, all right? Try it out. Fields has a customer service team dedicated to making sure that you get the best use of your CBD. You can call them, all right? And uh, start feeling better with Fields. That's F-E-A-L-S, all right? Become a member today by going to feels.com slash B-T-B. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash B-T-B. You get 50% off your first order with free shipping. 50% off free shipping. Try it out. Some real deal CBD here. Feels.com slash BTB. I, I think because now I'm in LA and doing, you know, entertainment, stand up, doing all this shit. I always forget about this stuff, but it triggered me because I saw the, this line. That's where we'd start to run our sprints. And one day we ran 40 sprints. And again, it was designed to break guys so you could weed out the week and kick them off the team. And so we run 40 sprints. So if you didn't get up to the line in time when they blew the whistle, you were kicked off the team. So I remember it was like the 34th sprint and I was so tired. I crawled to the line. I remember my, my hand being down on the line and I was so exhausted. I was throwing up. I was throwing up. The guy next to me was throwing up and I'd vomit all over my hand. And, would still, and I still made the sprints. Still made the sprints. And I just remember that. I was like, holy shit, man. The stuff we used to do. I don't know if they still do that. It doesn't look like it. They look soft as shit these days. And then looking at the stadium, all the, the bleachers were packed, right? And I remembered that same, uh, my senior, same, uh, or it was probably my f- sophomore year there. I was a redshirt sophomore. My sophomore year, one of the star running backs, I think it was Bobby Purify or might have been Brian Calhoun. Probably not Brian Calhoun. He's such a good kid. But Bobby Purify did something. We weren't supposed to have girls in our room or something. He did something where it fucked up. But if one person fucked up, that group would get penalized. So we had done with Dirty Dozens, the conditioning. And Coach Barnett goes, uh, I want to see you guys in the weight room after. And we're like, ah, oh, fuck, man. Remember, this is 6.30 a.m. We've been running since 5 a.m. We have school the rest of the, the fucking day, so it's a beast. So he's the one seeing the weight room. 
So, you know, he tells us what, you know, whatever the player did, why we're being uh, disciplined. And he goes, I want each of you, and we know that it's going to be bad. And so your nerves are through the fucking roof. And I remember him go, uh, I want everyone to grab a 45-pound plate. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is the evil shit he's going to come up with? And it was snowing outside, like dumping snow in Boulder, Colorado. And there's seven of us. And he goes, I want you guys to run the entire stadium, and that plate has to stay over your head the entire time. If it f- comes down, you're off the team. Not one fucking person dropped that weight, man. And he put coaches at every exit so they could keep an eye on us. I just remember doing that shit, man. It was fucking nuts. Or not enough guys were off the team, so they had to do a wall sit. They had to do a 22-minute wall sit. And whoever fell down, they'd kick you off the team. What's a wall sit? You're just sitting against the wall. Oh, like in, that. In a, in a, in a, and I mean, guys' legs are yeah. fucking shaking. But we wanted it so bad, man. So fucking bad. The mental toughness of that goddamn team, dude. On fucking real. We were so goddamn tough. But it caught up with us because we would do stuff like that even in the season. Just this hardcore shit so much. And we ranked, we got all the way up to, I think, number 12 in the nation. We're undefeated. And then because we would go so hard in practice, we'd do Oklahoma drill and hit fucking four times a week. And we we're so goddamn tough. You know, he broke his toys. We got so beat up by midseason, we started losing games because guys were getting injured or we were just, everyone was, we just fizzled out. Everyone got so tired. We were so beat up, man. We were so beat up. But goddamn, what a fucking, that's, that's where that, you know, I have kids, man. That chance of them going to NFL, I mean, not fucking good. I don't care about that. But just the lessons they can learn from that stuff, man. Prior to that, really where I learned, like the work ethic and just like that David Goggins mentality of, you know, you can get through it being mentally strong. And I'm not comparing any of us to Navy SEALs or the Special Forces, but there's some similarities there because the guys that who could deal with the the strain and that mental toughness at five in the morning, there's something about that that you carry on in life, no matter if you play pro sports or whatever it is that's going to make you successful because there's so many guys from my team that went on to do great things outside sports. And I think a lot of it has to do with just that mental fucking toughness because all of us, the main core group of guys who we'd thrive off guys quitting, we'd thrive off them breaking and quitting. We still love it when guys would quit and because that builds you up because they would break and like tougher than that guy and you just fucking keep going. But prior to that, and I never talked about this, all this came from, I was never in better shape, never ran so much in my life. I started off at uh, Whittier College. And Whittier College, football team was terrible, fucking awful. We're called the Poets. Nobody takes us serious. But uh, we're the Fighting Poets. Okay, cool name. And our logo was a fucking poet with a pen running. It was a nightmare. And our colors were purple. It just wasn't good. Our cheerleaders were all so thick. Anyways, (laughs) Whittier College, what makes them unique is the reason I went there is because I play football and lacrosse. And lacrosse, especially at, uh, no, it's not Denver, it's California, Whittier Whittier College, California, private school. Best education I ever got in one year, then four years at University of Colorado. (laughs) There he is. Nobody's going to be scared of that, dude. Nobody's going to be scared of that. It's the worst mascot in sports. Anyways, um, the Fighting Poets. Oh, it says new mascot. Whittier unveils the the Willie Mammoth. See see, see that one? Whittier.edu, see that? That's the new mascot? We're on Veal's new mascot. Retires Johnny the Poet. Thank fucking God. And it says it, April 4th. Ah, fuck. They're going to stay with the poet. 
God damn it. You know how cool that'd be, the mammoths? That'd be sick. This is actually fun, though. This yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. different. The reason Whittier is special, I don't know if it's still this way, but the lacrosse team, when I played there, we were top five in the nation. Like, we competed with Middlebury, all the monster schools in, on the East Coast where lacrosse is huge because every guy we had was from the East Coast of Canada. Like, I was the only kid from the Midwest. Everybody's from the East Coast. And uh, it was the highest, because Division Three, Division One, not a big difference in lacrosse. Really not. Because the Division Three schools have great academics, and most kids who are in lacrosse are really smart for whatever reason. It, they're, they're, they're really fucking smart kids, so they go to the high academic schools. That's why, the, you know, you look at schools who are good at lacrosse, DU, Maryland, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia. I mean, figure it out. They're all fucking brilliant, brilliant academic schools. But Whittier was a good academic school, and they would uh, recruit all the guys from the East Coast. Maybe they were rejects or whatever, but they would come to California, and we were top five. I think one time we were number two in the nation. We lost to Middlebury in the semifinals in CAA uh, tournament. But uh, that's where I learned what it was to be a, a college athlete. We would run so fucking much, it was insane. And that was by far the best team I've ever been on. We would play these other California teams that didn't have New York kids and beat them fucking 30 to zero, which is unheard of in lacrosse. We'd walk out to ACDC Hell's Bells and beat the fuck out of everyone. And then we lost in overtime to <clears throat> Middlebury, I think. But fuck, man, those guys are so talented. Wonder what they're doing. But Denver is great, man. Denver is fantastic. Denver was fantastic. Went to Snooze, my favorite. It started in Denver. Now there's like seven of them. I'd wake up at 6 a.m. and put my name on the wait list because Chappelle's never had snooze before, I don't think. So I took the squad to snooze. And I was looking online, and there was all this uh, hype about Huckleberry Coffee, which is in like the, uh, the Union Station district over there right by Coors Field, and it's all redone over there. It's like this ridiculous area, hotels, hipster restaurant stuff. And it says number one coffee in Denver. Denver has great fucking coffee, man, great coffee. So I told Chappelle we got to go there. So it's just me and Chappelle. We get on, our, on the scooters, on the fucking birds or whatever we had. What's the other Birds? What's the other one? Oh, limes. We on limes because Uber, it's easier. Um, we got on those and we fucking booked over to Huckleberry Coffee. Worst coffee I ever had in my life. <laughs> it was so sour, man. You know when those hipster play? I don't know what it, I, know, I know it has more caffeine. Dude, I'll just fucking add espresso shots to my goddamn coffee. I don't need these sour-ass beans. It's very strange. Sorry, Huckleberry, but that shit sucked. That shit sucked. I saw one guy in a black rifle hat. I went, God damn, I wish they had some black rifle, dude. And he goes, you and me both, brother. <laughs> Cody picked me up on Friday after press. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm just chilling in the condo, man. I just got done with press. He goes, come to uh, sparring. Today's sparring at Elevation uh, Fight Team, which is my old team. All my old coaches are there, Trevor Whip. So it's crazy. Before it was grudge and high altitude, and there was a clash of coaches, and coaches had egos, and the team broke up. But the team used to be like Shane Carwin, Nate Marquardt, Nate L or, uh, Dwayne Ludwig, uh, Rashad Evans, Elliot Marshall, Cody Donovan, myself, Christian Allen. Uh, just monsters, dude. Mo fucking monsters. But the coach's egos got involved, and this guy wanted pay, and this guy wanted to wear his sponsor. So the team broke up. Team broke up. And since I've been gone, they fucking put their egos aside, and they figured it out, and now they all get together I think it's on fucking Tuesdays and Fridays in Spar. And I walk in there, and on the mat, first of all, there's tons of talent. Tons of, I've never seen a more talented room. All, all the coaches are there who I used to be with. Trevor, again, Trevor Whitman, 
Christian Allen, Cody Dahman, Elliot Marshall, uh, everybody's there. And on the on the uh, just the mat sparring was Corey Sandhagen getting ready for his uh, world championship fight against Peter Jan, and then you had Neil Magny, who when I was there was the young buck, and now he's the like captain of the team. He's the oldest guy on the team, has seventy million fights. Still looks young as fuck, though. Still looks better than me. Um, and yeah, they, they all are, man. And then uh, Alistair Overeem's there. Alistair Overeem's there. Curtis Blades is there. And then, but when I walked in on the mat sparring was um, Kamar Usman, Justin Gaethje was sparring. What? Uh, you had uh, Neil Magny. You had uh, Corey Sandahagen sparring. And you had these this guy uh, who just signed with Bellator. And... I was watch. I don't. I forget the kid's name. I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" I mean, fucking up world champions, dude. Destroy him, take him down left and right. Like, oh my god, who the fuck's gonna beat that guy? And Cody's like, "Dude, he's in Bellator right now." But yeah, just wait, man. And then they were going around the room telling me about all these other guys. I'm like, "Oh my god, you got a squad here, man." And it's so weird because. All the coach, we all said the same thing. They're like, how much different is this when, like, you, Shane, and Nate, and, you know, GSP, and Rashad, like, how much different is it than when you were here? I'm like, dude, you guys are approaching like a f professionals. We wasted, nobody got better. It's the same, <laughs> it, nobody got better. It's the same thing that happened at the comic store in the golden age of it, when it was like Joey Diaz, Rogan, Dalia, Brian, just the fucking monsters. And because, because, most comics go there, you know, Monday through Wednesday, especially Tuesday nights. Sam Tripoli had the best show in town. But we would all go there because you're on the road Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But you'd go there to try, typically, this is why you do spots around town, to do new shit, to figure it out so you can add it to your hour on the road. But what happened in the comic store is because it became, you know, the golden age and it was basically the pro ball of fucking comedians – if I was sandwiched between Rogan and Joey Diaz, or if I had to go on before Chris D'Elia or after Chris D'Elia, I can't do new shit. Cause these, they're such monsters. No one was doing new stuff because there was a packed house in the main room and people were there to see the pro ball. So you got to show out. So you're doing the, it became, it used to go from doing work, doing spots to your best hits and you, you do your best, whatever they give you 10 minutes, you'd have to do your best material because you were sandwiched between monsters who were also doing killer material. You'd have Burt Kreischer, Segura, D'Elia, just these fucking Mont Santino, Bobby Lee, and, he, and no one, they're not doing new shit. Rogan would do some new shit because he's a fucking legend. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't give a fuck. He's such a monster. And he would do like, you know, 30 or 40 minutes or sometimes even an hour close show out. But other than that, everyone's doing their best hits. So the way that compares to when I was fighting the UFC, training at Grudge in Denver, is we were, we were going so hard, you couldn't get better. Nobody got better because you were trying to win rounds in practice. Like, I was always trying to knock Shane Carwin out. He was always trying to knock me out. So I couldn't try a new technique. I couldn't implement my game plan that I was going to have against, you know, Matt Mitrione or, or Noguera or LeVar Johnson or uh, Gabriel Gonzaga because... I, uh, if I did new things, I'd get knocked out. So we wasted so much fucking time trying to knock each other out. Nobody got better. And again, it caught up with us. Injuries, people were getting knocked out in training. I mean, I'm talking knocked out. One time, Cody Donovan, 
him and uh, Pat Berry came to our team. That's how Rose got on the team, right? Pat Berry came there first, then he brought Rose, and now Rose is, you know, she's one of the captains of the team. Cody Dom and, and Pat Berry were sparring, and Pat Berry was fighting, I forget, but he won the fight via KO. The week before, him and Cody Dom are sparring, and Cody throws a head kick and knocks him unconscious. A week later, he fought and knocked the dude out via head kick. And it's not that Cody was some great kickboxer, because he wasn't. Cody's mm-hmm. tough as nails, and his thing was grappling. He was a black belt uh, in jiu-jitsu. But he just caught, you know, Pat, he, Pat wasn't expecting it. He just threw a fucking high kick, and, you know, Pat was lighting him up the entire round, and Cody just throws this high kick, it lands, and fucking knocks Pat Perry out. Or when I was getting ready for Noguera, they wanted to make it as close to a fight as they can, so uh, I didn't have any big guys to go with. I had like Elliot, who's a bigger guy, but completely opposite of fucking Noguera. Noguera could box. But on the ground, Elliot was similar because Jiu-Jitsu was good. So I was just using Elliot and Cody a lot. So they called Shane. Shane was on, you know, fucking 12 beers deep on a boat in Greeley. And they're like, hey, man, we really need you. Can you do the last round with Brendan? He's like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah. I'm 12 beers deep. I've been in the sun all day with my family. But, yeah, I don't want to leave him hanging. I totally forgot. Shane drives down. He smells like fucking tanning lotion alcohol. He gets in there, and there's like a crowd, and they have crowd noise to get me ready for Brazil. And within 30 seconds, Carwin knocks me out. Straight right. Bop! Exactly how I got knocked out by no girl. Mm. Straight right. Boom! I fall on the ground. He gets on top of me. He goes, oh, sorry, brother. Start work up. And I just, I just remember smelling bear. I'm like, this is, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, we work out of it, and we, I get out of the kitchen. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Even back then, I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And he's like, oh, sorry, man. I thought this was like a real thing. I'd, I thought to go hard. I'm like, what the fuck? I, I leave for Brazil in three days, dude. And then obviously went out there and got fucking clock, clocked again. Same shit happened when I fought Ben Rothwell. Shane fucking wobbled me, man. But then when Shane fought Frank Mayer, Junior Dos Santos, I wobbled Shane. So it was like, that's, that's what we did, man. We <laughs> thought that was how we were getting better. We went against Dwayne, and I think that's why T.J. Dillashaw has the, you know, the reputation of going real hard in training camp and knocking dudes out. But you got to remember his head coach, and he's, you know, he's the the young grasshopper of Dwayne Ludwig. Dwayne Ludwig in practice one time. I mean, this is early, early years when we we're all together. There was this wrestler who's going really hard at Dwayne Ludwig, and th- just so you guys know, nobody trains like this anymore. I mean, Max Holloway doesn't spar anymore. The, in, in the elevation fight team, when I was watching spar, they use MMA gloves and they don't even touch each other. There's no head trauma going on. They're doing it like professionals. And look how it's working. Kamar Usman, champion, knockout artist now. Uh, Justin Gaethje, fucking one of the most entertaining fighters of all time, fighting Michael uh, Chandler next. Uh, Corey Sandahagen, fighting for a world title, just you know, won the war against TJ, but lost the fight, but still fighting for a world title. Uh, Rose, fighting for a world, she is a world champion. You look at it, you, Curtis Blades, you look at all these guys, and like, f- clearly this is the fucking way to do it. We're all just like, God, man, how big of meatheads were we? I'm like, we just never got better, dude. We all had skills, but nobody got better. And like the guy, and you think like Nate Marquardt and Dwayne Ludwig, oh, the finished story about Dwayne Ludwig, this is how fucking meatheads we were. This new wrestler was trying to fight. And uh, he was going hard, and everyone was like, God, someone needs to tell that kid to fucking tone it down because he's like throwing for blood. And uh, we toss him in there with Dwayne Ludwig. And everybody stops what they're doing to watch Dwayne and his kids spar. And the, Dwayne had headgear on this kid. Uh, we go, hey, man, you should probably use headgear. Dwayne's a killer, man. Like, 
he's you know world champion kickboxer you don't want to go in there without headgear and he goes ah, he's not gonna do shit cool story dude so he goes in there and again he's going hard as fuck well uh Dwayne, uh when he shot in for a shot and most guys have knee pads on but Dwayne didn't wear knee pads that day he threw a knee when this kid shot in and caved in his fucking forehead and i don't think the kid ever ever competed again ambulance called got him out there on a stretcher i mean that that was and all of a sudden yeah yeah man that's how it goes mm. it was just some meathead shit dude some meathead shit but seeing them spar now it's just like god damn they got it down to a science so they spar and do their gist there and then most of the team drives up to uh probably 40 minutes outside Aurora where that the gym's out. Uh, not maybe considered Denver. It's off Santa Fe. About 30, 40 minutes outside Denver uh, where Elevation Fight Team in Easton's is at, the headquarters. They drive 40 minutes out there and they do wrestling with Leister Bowling. And Leister Bowling was my head coach. And he was Shane's head coach. He's the guy GSP would fly to Montreal. He's the guy GSP would fly to Denver for. So GSP... Started coming to Denver because Trevor Whitman's boxing and Leister Bowling's wrestling. And he would work with Leister on wrestling. Because Leister, if you're not from Denver, it's like a, uh, he's like a legend as far as high school wrestling goes and college wrestling goes. Um, super legend. I think he was undefeated in high school. His dad was undefeated. His dad was undefeated. So he's just this staple of a fucking man when it comes to wrestling, especially in the, the Denver scene. If you know wrestling, you know fucking Leister Bowling. And there he is with GSP. He would help GSP out. GSP would drive up to UNC. Um, he was our connection because we would wrestle with the college team at UNC. There we are there. That's after I knocked out uh, Chris Tushisher, uh, Brock Lesnar's uh, best friend and training partner, who's 21 at the time. And then Shane fought in the main events against Brock Lesnar, which they should have stopped, but they didn't. And he, Shane ended up gassing out, and Lesnar uh, beat him <clears throat> via submission. It was a real shame. So now those guys drive 40 minutes north of uh, Denver, and they uh, and that's where T.J. Dillashaw did his camp for Corey Sanahagen. Three days out of the of the week, he'd fly to Denver and drive up there because Leaster has his compound, so he does kids wrestling. Like he has a whole team; they're all fucking studs. So if you go there, there's like a picture of me, the Shane, and then there's two thousand pictures of just kids with awards because they're all little monsters. And Le Leaster's had them since they were two. He's making fun of me because Tiger only does jujitsu right now, but he's he excels in wrestling for whatever reason. He's really good at wrestling, but he does it in jujitsu. He's like, man, you get that kid some fucking wrestling, and there's great wrestling in California, so I need to find him a team uh, in the Valley. They're doing it right. They got the best of the best, and they're going to have a bunch of world champions fighting smart, calculated, like professionals. And, you know, you hear about it until you – I actually saw him. like, why are they going so like easy on each other? He's like, because they save it for the fight, you idiot. I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> they go hard grappling and they'll throw live kicks, but not to the head, mm -hmm. but to the body. And then they go live to the body, but the head, they're just touching, man. And they have yeah. MMA gloves on. And they have headgear on. Smart. Oh my God, it's smart. We were such fucking meatheads, dude. You didn't know any better. No one knew it better. No one knew better? Yeah, not at that time. And now, you know, a few of those guys that I trained with, I won't mention names, have some of the worst CT you've ever seen. Mm. It caught up with a lot of them. Yeah. God damn, I love Denver, dude. Love L.A., though. Never moving back. <laughs> Fucking love L.A. Terrible governor, I know, but um, he can only do so much, man. A lot of resistance. There's a, uh, oh, God. I was going to save this. Uh, I can save this story for fucking firing the kid. 
went to dinner with Lisa and his friend, and his friend was out of control. <laughs> I'll save for I'll I'll save for finding the kid. Right. Out of control. I thought we were gonna get arrested. Sipping? <clears throat> he he was drinking martinis. No. Oh. He was like, you know, Southern boy. He's like, these martinis are fucking good. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, all right, dude. And uh, I'm going to say his name. I don't want the guy to get in trouble. But it was like going to dinner with Clint Eastwood from the 1960s. I don't know if this guy never gets out or what, but he's drinking martinis. And the way he's talking to the waitress, I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, you know, we're at this nice steakhouse, and this girl has a push-up bra. And then there's a heavier waitress, you know, whatever. Who gives a fuck? You know, I don't, it's not Hooters. Who cares how they look? But there was this girl with a push-up bra on you off. Know, she had her tatas out. Mm-hmm. You know, she looked nice, classy, nothing crazy. It's a really nice steakhouse. And he goes, hey, muffin top. <laughs> hey, muffin. And, I'm, and the, entire, the entire restaurant's like, what the fuck? And I'm like this, oh, my God. He goes, hey, muffin top. And I thought he was talking about the heavier girl because, you know. Uh-huh. Muffin top. But no, he was going, muffin top. <laughs> and, and then she brings him a drink. He slaps her ass. Oh, no way. Slaps her ass. Oh, shit. And I look at Leaster. And Lisa was sitting across from me, and he can, the guy could hear me talking. It was like a whole table of like 10 dudes, all dudes. And, you know, the guy's very successful, very rich. And maybe where he's at and, you know, north of Colorado, you can do shit like this. Dude, yeah, I was like, I text Lisa, I'm like, dude, so if that waitress, like, that says, files report or something like that, it's not going to be, you know, Lisa's friend does this. It's going to be Brennan Schaub's group of friends. And I don't know this dude, man. This guy's a liability. And it gets worse. He slaps her on the ass, and then you can tell she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. What the fuck's going on? So tell Lisa, I'm like, dude, I need, I need to get out of here. This guy's going to be a problem. I can't be associated with it. Like, I just can't be around this because if something happens, it's not going to be, again, it's not going to be you guys. It's going uh-huh. to reflect on me, and you brought the guy. I don't know the fucking guy. You've never seen a human being eat a steak faster <laughs> in your life as I <laughs> ate this fucking eight-ounce filet. I scarfed this down. Went, well, I lied. I'm like, I got to get to the show, man. And they're like, your show's in three hours. I'm like, I know. I like to get there really early, and they need me there to do a mic check. We just got the fuck out of there. But I told Leaster, because they, they came to the comedy show. There's like five of them. And he's been drinking, and this is when you know it's going to be a problem. He goes, man, I, I want to be a comedian, man. I, you know, I'm so proud of you, man. I want to be a comedian. That was, was my goal to do. I'm a funny guy. And I hear it all the time. Like, Very cool, dude. But he's eight fucking martinis deep. He goes, I, I want to be a comedian like you, man. I'm like, yeah, and, you know, never say never. You know, you can still get up on open mics or some shit like that. Or Comedy Works has, you know, open mics every Tuesday or some shit like that. And he's, man, I'm not into that shit. I'm an old man now. I'm like, yep. So I text Lisa. I'm like, dude, I, I'm telling you now. I've seen how this goes. Even though I don't know the guy, I'm telling you, he's going to heckle during the show. And if he heckles, he, he has to be careful. Because, A, that's what, when they, people heckle, we like it. And we light you the fuck mm-hmm. up. And it makes the show because you can get content and can post that because it's not your hour act. So I go, you got to be careful, though, because there's a guy named David Lucas. David, it was only me and Chappelle went to dinner out of the crew. My brother was there. The Klopp was there. Austin was there. Shout out to Klopp and Austin. But Chappelle's not a roaster. Chappelle's just going to tell you to shut the fuck up and carry on with Zach. But David Lucas, who comes on the road with me, is a professional roaster. He does roast battles. You can see him on all the roast battles. He'll sit across the table from another roaster and beat the fuck out of him with his words. And since he's been on the road with me almost a year now, when someone heckles, he's the only time we come out of the green room because we know he's going to light this person up. He's let people up so bad, they leave the show crying. He's a fucking terror. Like, if you do it, you're like, oh, my God, what are you guys thinking? 
So I told Lisa, I said, I'm telling you, dude, if this Dave Luke's guy's on stage, tell him not to yell out. It's going to be a bad night for him. And she goes, I promise you, man, he's good. He's good. There's, they sim- I hate that the Comworks did this. They sat my mom directly to the left of me so I could see her the whole show. My show, I'm, I'm not a clean comic. I'm a dirty comic. My fucking mom and my Aunt Nubby, Aunt Nubby basically raised me. They're there, and then my cousin Beck's there, who I'm close with. So I can see them like where am I? I'm trying to avoid them. And I see Leister and his crew sitting down and his friend sitting down. And his friend's loud already. And I'm just watch, watching from the side. I'm like, and David's on stage. And um, they're trying to figure out who's going to sit where. And they fucked up. Because Leister goes to him loud, no fat, because they're all drinking. He goes, no fat ass, sit over there. And that drunk guy, yeah, and he's wearing the worst shirt you've ever seen. His outfit was terrible. He goes, in response to Leister, goes, I'm not a fat ass, like loud. Well, David just hears fat ass. And oh, David's shit. a heavier set dude. <laughs> and David goes, what the fuck you just say? And I'm like, oh, here we go. And he goes, oh, nothing. And then says something about fat ass to Leister. But he's not talking to David. Mm-hmm. David doesn't know this. David thinks he's calling David fat. And David's a big dude. David is a fat dude. But he's a professional roaster. He lights this guy up so bad. He lit him up. His f- entire face turned red. He, so he had on this, some rich dude shit. He had on this Robert Graham thing, or I don't know if it's a collab with Affliction or some shit from 1999. It had it was a black shirt with skulls all over it. Had skulls all over it. They had a matching skull hat. Dude. <laughs> David starts to go, goes, what the, f- what friends do you have that let you come to a show dressed like that motherfucker? And the guy's like, what? And he goes, because it's their skulls over. He, he goes, it looks, he goes, it looks like Beetle. He goes, it looks like you got the curtain, uh, shower curtain from Beetlejuice. He goes, I bet you say Beetlejuice three times, a gay dude jumps on your back. Dude, and just for 10 minutes, just flames. I was like, God damn it. I told you not to say anything. He didn't talk the rest of the show. He didn't talk the rest of the show. Yeah, man, Denver was great. Shout out to Leaster's friend. I'm not going to say his name because he's a nice guy. I assume those martinis. But, dude, this isn't the 1950s. You can't slap women's nope. butts and do that. I mean, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? Who acts like that? What is wrong? I don't give a fuck how much money you have. Maybe in Greeley that shit flies, but, dude, in downtown Denver, it was so embarrassing. It was brutal, man. Good time, though, overall. Good time. Good time. Good time overall. Shout out to the Comedy Works downtown Denver, one of my favorite clubs. New food truck is available right now with the Vicente Luque, one of my favorite food trucks. Listen, I know he's not Jake Paul or Logan Paul or Izzy or some huge name. He, it's one of my favorite food trucks. He is the nicest guy in the world. We flew him all. So the way it works is usually I'll DM guys or text them because I have relationships with uh, Jagillion fighters and say, hey, want to come on the show? And they go, yeah, I'm so down, man. And then I send it over to my team here and they figure out you know, how to get him here. Maybe just because he was born there. I thought Vicente Luque trained and fought out of New Jersey. That's not a bad flight, not an easy flight, but not a terrible flight. No, dude, he fucking lives in Brazil and trains in Brazil. This kid flew from Brazil just to shoot the food truck wow. diaries. They flew him all the way from Brazil, and you guys can tell when you see him fight. Whenever Vicente Luque fights, you know we talk about it, right? It, it, he's one of the most exciting fighters in the world. But the thing about Vicente Luque is, and if you've seen him fight and on the mics, he's not a shit talker. He lets his—he's one of the most exciting fighters in the fucking all of the organization. 
And he's due for a huge fight. You know, if you watch Food Truck, uh, there's talks him and Nate Diaz, uh, him getting a title shot. He thinks Kamaro's going to beat Colby Covington. So he, this is a guy who, again, I know he's not flashy. He's not Conor McGregor or, you know, um, Max Holloway or something like that. But when you talk about salt of the earth, good people, this is the guy you want to get behind. A guy who's a family man, just had a baby, so he has that dad power now. He, uh, he's been with his fucking wife since high school. When you talk about a fucking solid person who deserves everything that's coming his way right now, he just beat Michael Chiesa, which I thought he was going to lose that fight, to be honest. You know, he choked out Michael Chiesa. He knocked out Tyrone Woodley. So now he's in this weird kind of gray area where he deserves a big fight, probably should be fighting for a title. He's the only guy who hasn't fought Kamaru Usman. But the thing about him and Kamaru Usman is they were training partners. Mm. And if you watch Food Truck, uh, spoiler alert, if you're going to watch Food Truck, I'm going to spoil it for you right now. In three, two, one, I go, well, you guys must have trained a lot today. He goes, yeah, we've trained a ton. And I go, how did those rounds go? I know it's practice, how those rounds go. Now, most guys will go, you know, even if they're full of shit, they'll go, you know, he'd win some, I'd win some, but they, they were tough rounds. Whenever you hear tough rounds, that means they got beat up. That, or it probably wasn't close. They go, oh, that's tough rounds. Fighters, when they say tough rounds, that means they got dealt with. He goes, oh, I got my ass kicked. He beat the shit out of me. It's like, what? He's like, yeah, man, he used to beat the shit out of me. I'm like, well, that makes this even more exciting because mm -hmm. you're better. He's better. You know, it's a good food truck, man. I'm telling you guys, give it a chance. I know he's not some giant name, but he's such a good person, man. One of my favorite fight, favorite dudes in the UFC. Such a good person. Now, you could fight Leon Edwards, um, which they both deserve title shots. And the UFC is trying to give Leon Edwards a title shot. They did with the with the Nate Diaz fight. They thought by having him fight Nate Diaz, a big win because they you know it's an awful fight for Nate. But so Nate's losing every round, right? And then the last thirty seconds wobbles him, and that's the story. That's mm -hmm. the narrative. So he didn't get any more exposure, hide off that hype off that to get a title shot. So he's back. You know he's kind of there. And then I don't know who his management is, who his team is, but then they turned down the Masvidal fight. Masvidal just came out and goes, dude. I'm, I, I went to the fucking UFC Institute. He recently said this uh, in an interview. I don't know where he did it at. Whoever did, I'm sorry. I forget who what interview he did. But Mazadal goes, yeah, man, I went to the UFC uh, AP Center, API Center, where the fuck it's called, and um, I went to uh, the matchmaker's office, uh, Hunter Campbell. Mm -hmm. He was like, dude, let me fight Leon Edwards. And he goes, we called him in the office, and he turned down the fight. He still turned in the fight. If I'm Leon Edwards' team, right, I know you guys want a title shot. It's not fucking happening. It's not happening, dude. Masvidal is a massive, massive name. He's coming off a knockout loss. Even though he's coming off a loss, he still fought for the title twice, and he's still a major, major draw. If you can go Nate Diaz, who you beat, and then you fight Masvidal, dude, you, you make yourself unquestionable the next title challenger. But doing this now, staying in England, maybe where he's from in England, he's a big deal, so he's walking around town, and everyone's like, dude, you deserve a title shot. But in America, which the UFC bases a lot of their business off of, they're not having it, dude. So why not fight Masvidal? I don't get it. Jorge Masvidal demands fight from UFC, rips Coward Land, which for a turn down matchup against him. Scroll down. 
That's Leon's response. And then Leon was, this pussy dug me for three years, and I'm a coward. Every time my name was mentioned, he went running. He didn't go running and give you that fucking two-piece and a soda, you know? There's so much they could do with it. I, I just, this is him talking. Yeah. Uh, that guy is such a talking fucking machine. Masvidal referring to Leon Edwards. Because the contracts in front of his face said no like two or three times already. We're already moving on. We're not going to... Uh, we're not playing any games or nothing. I do I do a lot of this when it comes to contracts. It's either yes or no when a contract gets put in front of me. Who's the highest ranked guy with the most money I can make? That's who I'm going with. Leon was talking uh, about, I, I turned down, down the fight. fight. No, you fucking moron of a person. No, no you fucking moron of a person. I, that's harsh. No, you fucking moron of a person. He can just leave it as no, you fucking moron. <laughs> But no, you fucking moron of a human being. I fought for the belt twice. Why would I fight you? Who the fuck are you again? Now I got some spare time. I'll beat this guy's fucking teeth in, but he's nowhere to be found. So we have to move on because he's a coward. I just don't know. If you're Leon Edwards' team, what's the move? You're just going to sit. It's clearly not happening. Because I guarantee you, Vicente, you could do Vicente, Luque, Leon Edwards. That'd be a great fucking matchup um, again. But... I just, I, w I wonder what their game plan is. Because just sitting out, went for a title shot. It's not happening. You guys got to make a move, man. And Masvidal is a massive, massive fucking fight to do it on. Why would you turn that down? I have no idea. What else you got, Chin? I could cover Bellator and uh, UFC uh, this past weekend, but it was boring as fuck. Johnny Walker did the worm, and it, it ruined his fucking career. Don't do the worm, kids. Take a, take a page out of Johnny Walker's book. And learn from it. Don't do the fucking worm when you win a fight. Blew out his goddamn shoulder and apparently fucked with his mind. Even though he's with Kavanaugh now, it's just not there. And he has all the fucking tools, man. Another feather in Thiago Santos' cap. Kevin Holland, Kyle Dukakis, Axon Clash of Heads, however you feel about it. I, I turned to Big John on this one, and he said it was the right call. So it's the right call. Big John says it's the right call. It's the right fucking call. Nico Price, uh, Alex Oliveira, I thought it was going to be fight of the night. Decision, Jocko, Misha, split decision, okay. Alexander Hernandez, monster, he got it done. Jared Gordon, the beast, decision. So, yeah, tough night. MVP got it done. I thought he was going to get it done via TKO, and I saw him say that I don't want a title shot. I want a uh, rubber match with Douglas Lima. We're all set, Papa. I'm all set on that fucking fight. Let's just go to a title shot, dude. Can you do that for me? Can you do that for me? For God's sakes, and quit fucking around Douglas Lima. It's 1-1. One, one. This was a split decision. I guess you won, dude. It's, a it's just a clash of styles. It's not working for anybody. Move on to the title shot. I'd be surprised if, if Bellator does the, the, the rubber match. This weekend, you, the fight cards, you know, Mackenzie Durham, if she's fine, I tune in. She's a fucking dime and a half, and she's a mom. Marina Rodriguez, uh, tough girl, man, tough girl. Only been competing to, for, for, since 2013, though. She started with kickboxing. Mackenzie Durham's going to choke her unconscious. That's how that goes down. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, genius analyst here. Mackenzie Durham chokes her. There you go. Bet on that. But the UFC knows what they're doing. They're going head-to-head -head with Wilder Fury 3. What do you think people are going to watch? Let's take another little break, kids, because I got to pay these Thick Boy Studio electric bills. How do you think we get it done? 
with people like my friends with this company at rockauto.com. Listen, one reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can then use for important things like betting on fights in the NFL. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% for the exact same auto parts as a chain store new car dealership at rockauto.com? You will save money, guaranteed. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. We got you guys covered. They have amazing selection, all right? Reliable, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Put BTB in there. How did you find out about us? So they, so I know you guys uh, listened and did it, all right? Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. Same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers like my boy Willie B at KBPI. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Again, they got amazing selection, reliably low prices. All right, go to rockauto.com. Type in BTB on how did you hear about us? I go back and forth on this one, man. How about uh, Lopez and that Cambozo's uh, trailer said they're done with boxing. You hear this? They said they're going to recalibrate what exactly they're doing because they've put in like $10 million in marketing for Lopez. It's just not working out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no shit. But also no shit. Trailer throws in the towel on Lopez. Gambozo's about after racking up $10 million in promotional costs. What'd you spend $10 million on, dude? <laughs> Who's your marketing team? Jesus Christ. Also, did you really think you'd get that money back on this fight? As much as I love Teofomo. You know, and the other guy, you know, I, I guess he's being a little difficult. So the COO Thornstein said Triller will no longer promote what became known as a freak show or carnival acts. Those are his words, not mine. Fights featuring long retired boxers and or celebrities will try to create a new entertainment platform that combines well-known musical acts and legitimate competitive boxing matches. Good luck with that. But back to uh, Fury uh, and Deontay Wilder 3. Fan-fucking-tastic fight. Can't wait for this. I go back and forth. I love Wilder. I've worked a ton with him. Obviously, I'm with Showtime. When he was with Showtime, I worked with him a ton. He's such a good person, man. And the way he got into boxing, fighting for his daughter who was born with a rare disease and needed to make money. Talking about a guy who didn't have a background in uh, boxing, had a background in football, had hopes and dreams of playing for University of Alabama, like every kid that grew up in Alabama has, and needed to make money fast and Football was going to take too long. Who knows if you've been a receiver for University of Alabama. Tall, what is he, the t- tallest receiver of fucking all time? There's a reason why receivers aren't that tall. You're going to be fucking fast, man. So he went to boxing and found out he has the gift of God and can knock guys out with his right hand. And he has the best right hand in the past 50 years. He's a straight-up knockout artist. I was ringside when he knocked out uh, Brazil at the uh, Barclay Center. Um, where the Nets play, I was ringside, and Showtime, thanks for this one, sat me directly next to Brazil's family. I was right next to him, and it was like a dead man walking. When he's coming out, you just knew what was going to happen. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, because I brought my brother, and I go, oh, man, this, this isn't, because I was out there promoting my uh, Showtime special. I was on Breakfast Club and uh, Barstool and all that shit. So I came, Showtime got me tickets, uh, ringside tickets to the fight. Unfortunately, they set me next to Brazil's fucking family. And I think Brazil played quarterback in Northern Colorado, so I root for him because, you know, he played football at uh, Northern Colorado. And uh, he, he was a dead man walking. And you see the family, and it's fucking tough to see, dude. It was tough to see. 
So let's talk about the this trilogy fight. There's a lot of unanswered questions, right? Uh, because if you're Fury, you know, I think if you're a Fury fan, you'd say he won the first fight and clearly dominated the second fight. So I guess I'll watch the, the third fight. The third fight, if you're going to bet on this, uh, you got to ask yourself, what version of Deontay Wilder are we going to get? And the odds are Fury's basically minus 300, which isn't crazy. Uh, Deontay Wilder being plus 230. There's something about me that is drawn to Deontay Wilder at plus 230. Now, having said that, Tyson Fury is my favorite fighter, MMA or boxing on the planet. I'm obsessed with Tyson Fury. I love Tyson Fury. Great story. So with Tyson Fury, um, obviously the most skilled heavyweight on the planet can fight backwards, forwards, whatever style you want, the guy can pull off. The guy can fucking pull off. There's a reason why he's a world champion, took time off, and came back and has just been unstoppable. I guess my thing with this is Deontay Wilder, he's with a new camp, fired his whole team. And the only way I can relate to that, I, I did the same thing. I, I came off two losses in the UFC, and I blamed my camp, and I moved to L.A., which worked out for the better because I stayed here and got a career out of it and got an entertainment. But And my camp was good. But it's always weird. It's always the last hurrah when a fighter changes camps. There's something going on there. It's always the last hurrah. And watching who his trainer is, um, you know, he, his, his trainer is a guy who's, who hasn't been in high-profile fights, um, definitely not of this magnitude. I'm sure he's coached some good guys. But um, do we have any background on his coach, Jen? Deontay Wilder adds to his Tyson Fury training camp team as Don. House joins Malik Scott and Jay Diaz. Keeps going down. So he fought this guy. Yeah. Indeed. So Wilder fought this guy and knocked him out. Um, and they're working on his jab and stuff like that. What's tough is even for a guy as athletic as Deontay Wilder is, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse because when he lands that right hand, guys go to sleep. Nobody survives that right hand. I know, I know Fury got up like the Undertaker. And he's the rare exception. Usually when that lands, it's game, set, match. The issue with that is for a guy like Fury, who just depends on a right hand, doesn't set up and throw combos. And, you know, most guys just go backwards because they're so scared of the right hand. Fury's not. He can't avoid the right hand. We've seen that. And Fury can't fight off his back foot, which is a huge hole. So the issue is him knocking guys out. He never got better at the art of boxing. He got better at throwing the right hand. But if you take it with a right hand, what do you have? Now, Fury has a left hand, a right hand. He can move. He can box forward. He can box backwards. He can do the Philly fucking shuffle. Whatever you want, Fury can do it because he's been boxing since he was fucking seven. You know what I'm saying? He's been boxing since he was a, in diapers. For Wilder, who's been boxing uh, in his early 20s, there's not enough hours in the day to make up the difference what he needs to beat a guy like Fury. So if you're going to bet on Wilder, you have to pray to God that Fury has one of his episodes where he's not mentally there or he's not in shape. Although, from what I hear, the guys in here, I haven't seen it, Fury seems to be in shape, correct? If Whenever you're going to bet on Fury, you can always tell by his body if you want to put money on him or not. You can always tell by the way he shows up. If he's out of shape, that means he's been at the pub doing his thing. That's why we love him. But there's also some issues there. Because when he fought Tyson Fury the second time, he looked fucking phenomenal. But if I'm Fury, we can either play off the back foot 
and beat them, or we can go forward. Now, we know going forward, Wilder, from previous experiences and fights, can't fight off his back foot. And I don't think there's a coach in this world who can teach Tyson Fury to fight off his back foot. So the question is, is what kind of fight is Tyson Fury going to bring? Is he going to come forward just like the last fight where he dominated, completely dominated, and just outclassed Wilder? Or is, does Tyson Fury not feel like doing that? Because I'm Tyson Fury, I'm doing the exact same game plan because I don't think Wilder, it doesn't matter what fucking coach he brings to his camp, is going to teach him the correct techniques to fight off his front foot and uh, be able to go backwards and still have the power in his right hand. Because when you're going back, you lose power. We know this. So has Deontay Wilder, has he put the right coaches in a position to teach him how to fight going backwards? History would show that he doesn't, and that's why Wilder is a minus 300. But there's something to heavyweight boxing because if you like money, take away my bias towards Tyson Fury because I always root for every English fighter, including Darren Till, who's a complete troll. And even though he's lost like 90 fights, I still root for the guy. But with Tyson Fury, I fucking root for him for the same way. He just happens to win every fucking fight, so it's easy to root for him. So you, But there's something, if you take out the, your bias towards... English fighters, which I have because my mom's born and raised in England, so I root for English fighters at all cost. There's something about Deontay's right hand that I like to bet on. And in 12 rounds, you're telling me he can't land one right hand? I don't know. I don't know. The other thing is, if you're a Deontay Wilder fan, his back is against the wall. He couldn't be more uh, at a disadvantage as far as being first time he's ever really been outclassed. That first one, I wouldn't say he got outclassed. He dropped them, and you saw some good things. Then before that, you know, against Luis Ortiz, the rematch, and then he had the rematch against uh, Stavern where he fucking starched him. The only guy to go all the rounds with him he ended up starching him. That guy became a meme. So there's something about Deontay Wilder that I do like to bet on. I can definitely see him winning. And I actually think it's good for the sport if he were, if he were to win. And this is me saying that as a huge Tyson Fury fan. I love Tyson Fury. I can't say that enough. But I think for the sport of boxing to mix it up, the loser of this is probably going to fight Anthony Joshua. I'll take either or. I think Tyson Fury is a nightmare of a matchup for Joshua. I'm worried about where Joshua's mental space is after losing the last fight to Usyk. Um, and I, I think he's going to struggle with a guy like Tyson Fury. But a guy like Deontay Wilder is a much more intriguing matchup and much more exciting matchup. So if to lose this gets to fight Anthony Joshua, sign me up. You know? Now, Fury versus Usyk's a fun fight because if there's one person go toe-to-toe with Usyk, and even he can't, but if there's one person go toe-to-toe as far as fundamentals and technique, it's Tyson Fury. Again, he's been boxing since he was in fucking Pampers or whatever his gypsy dad put him in when he shit his pants. I don't know what it was. I'd assume it's diapers. Who knows? They're gypsies. Maybe it's just a fucking towel. Either way, when he's in that towel shitting the towel, he was boxing. That's the point of all this. Tyson Fury's seen it all. But he still can't make up the technique and fundamentals of a guy like Usyk. Nobody can. Joshua can't. He just got outclassed. Joshua can't. Deontay Wilder can't. Tyson Fury can't. But what they can do 
is hit like a Mack truck, with which Usyk doesn't hit like a Mack truck. So Usyk has to use his fundamentals and savviness and ring IQ to beat these behemoths of heavyweights, and he's doing that. Now, can he do that against Tyson Fury? I don't think so. Now, can he do it against Deontay Wilder? 100%. He can outclass Deontay Wilder. But if Deontay Wilder lands, he's going to knock fucking Usyk back to cruiserweight. You know what I'm saying? That's how fucking hard he hits. So something about me, you know, betting on Fury doesn't get me excited because he should win this. He should win this. He he should implement the same game plan, get Wilder on his back foot and go to work and, uh, you know, probably go, wins decision, probably wins 10 out of 12 rounds. All right, cool, man. But what? how much more fun, and I like fun, how much more fun is it to bet on the underdog who has a gift from, from fucking Jesus Christ himself or whatever religion you uh, partake in? that that was God-given. He This dude will throw a right hand, his right foot's in the air, he doesn't have his hips into it, and if it lands, it knocks people out. And I like that. I like that. That's fun to bet on. So my money will be on Wilder. Do I think he's going to win? Probably not. But I have this weird assumption that if he does land, um, it could be a short night for Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's camp knows this. Literally, the only way Tyson Fury can win is from a right-hand landing. How's he going to do it? I have no clue. Because Fury's team knows this, and they've been training for this the entire camp. And he beat the fucking brakes off of him last fight. That wasn't a competitive fight. That was a world champion ass-whooping from Tyson Fury. And there was such a, a disparity of talent to put money on, on Deontay Waters insane. But I like fun. And although it's insane, I like fun, so I will put money on Deontay Wilder to win via knockout. Just because I like fun, and that's the only way you're going to make fucking money. You're going to have to put 300 bucks on Fury just to break even. That's not fun, and he's supposed to win, man. I already got 1000 bucks on Canelo Alvarez over Caleb Plant, and I like Caleb Plant. I have a relationship with Caleb Plant. I like the guy. You think I like telling these guys I bet against them? I have to tell fucking uh, Vicente Luque, I thought Chiesa was going to beat him. I don't like that. Then I see these guys face to face. I'm like, ah, fuck. Is what it is, man. But that, that's this is the biggest fight in boxing. How long? I mean, Canelo fight's always big. Also, that Canelo is November 6th. That's also UFC 268. We'll see here. Holla, yep. got it right. And that's Usman, the Colorado badass Usman. That's right. We're claiming him. We're claiming Usman. Kamar Usum, uh, who, 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 that this fucking so fight stabbed. card is filthy. If this doesn't make your dick hard as a fight fan, you ain't shit. How about that? Your main events, Kamar Usman, Kobe Covington. It's going to be a tough night enough for Kobe, I bet. Rose versus Yang Wele. Hopefully Wele doesn't blame it on getting booed while she got knocked out. It's going to be a good night for the fucking Elevation fight team. You have the three badasses. Training out of Denver, Colorado. Kamal Usman, winner. Rose, winner. Justin Gaethje, tougher fight, but possibly a winner. Sean Strickland, Luke Rockhold, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Frankie Edgar, Marlon Vera, fuck yes. That's my boy Cheeto? Yeah. Fuck yeah, Cheeto. You got it, Bubba. Yep. Proud of you, man. Ally Quinta, Bobby Green, sign me up. Shane Burgos, yes. Shabazian, he's back. Great card, dude. So check this out. We have a Calabasas fight campaign at night. I push my... Touring dates just so we can do a Calabas fight campaign for this. I'll announce the the lineup for the Calabas fight campaign doing that. 
But that night is UFC 268, Kamara Usman, Kobe Covington. Is this is that the one in New York? Is December in New York? Yep, Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden, holla. Um, better be vaccinated. Uh, anyways, so you have Kamara Usman, Kobe Covington. Then that same night, you have fucking Caleb Plant, Canelo, Canelo Al- Alvarez. And we're going to do a double fucking fight campaign for oh, both those fights. Holla. Holla. I can't fucking wait. Had to push the comedy dates for this one, man. It's too big of a night. That too- homeboy too, Alex Pereira, the guy that beat, uh, that KO'd Stylebender. Yeah. He's on this card. Oh, shit. He's yeah. a monster. Ian Gary, Shane Berger. I mean, it's stacked, man. Shabazian, who's going to be, uh, you know, I think he has all the tools to be champion down the road. Ally Quinta, the toughest fucking real estate agent in the world. <laughs> Frank Yeager, our boy Cheeto. As much as I love Frankie, dude. Sorry, Frankie. I love Cheeto. Sean Strick and Luke Rockhold, they hate each other. They had to spar together because uh, Sean's at Ruka. Mm. I wonder if the UFC's talked to Sean about his comments. Like, you got to chill out, dude. I don't hear anything since, so probably. That guy needs uh, hymns. It's promo code. Uh, Shab or BTB. Or BTB, whatever you prefer. But that guy sparring needs hymns like a motherfucker. What gym is this? Tiny gym. How can you not love Sean Strickland? What's crazy is you're like, ah, it's practice. But he does this. Dude, they're sparring in MMA gloves and throwing them. Elevation team did not fight like this. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. He's a madman and I love it. Let you me see this the humbles guy in three seconds and I've called him out. Is that the same one? No. If only more trolls would come to the gym. He said, I think I can spar with Luke Rockhold. Sean, let's spar. I think I can hang with Luke Rockhold. Sean, let's spar. He thinks he has a chance. Guy calls out UFC fighter Sean Strickland. He invites him to the gym. Oh, he has some tits on him, too. <laughs> this is a normal troll. Jeez. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, but that's what you got to do if you're Sean Strickland. Oh, that's every hater on the internet. I wish you'd go to the body. Yeah, go to the body, Sean. He's done. Bob, I thought you could hang with him, dude. And this is Sean being nice. Mm. I don't think Luke Rockhold would be that nice. This is my thing about Luke Rockhold. If he would just use his fucking grappling man. This dude, again, I know Luke Rockhold gets a lot of hate. Sometimes he brings it on himself. Clearly, he's a male model. Clearly, all your girlfriends want to fuck him. I get the hate. <laughs> I get the hate. I really do. And he, he's a, he seems arrogant, but in person, he's actually a really nice guy. We found him on food truck. A little awkward, I'll give you that. But he's a good fucking dude. And his grappling is insane, dude. World-class jiu-jitsu. World-class grappling. But he just wants to fucking sit there and trade with these guys. I don't get it. If I'm him, I take Sean Strickland down, and I fucking tie him in a knot. I don't get it. What else you got, Jen? This just happened today. Ariel Hawani reported it that Kevin Holland stopped a uh, guy from, well, the guy actually tried, uh, stole a car and then Kevin Holland chased after him and got him and held him until the police got there. It was the same like Kevin Holland apprehended a guy who was in the process of stealing someone's car in his neighborhood purse coach, chased him down, stayed with him till the cops showed up. Just right after his fight too. That's cool. Shout out to fucking uh, 
Holland. Holland, man. So Misha Tate usually doesn't talk any trash, right? But she's calling out uh, Aspen Lad because she missed her, you know, she missed weight and she couldn't find uh, Macy Chase on. It sounds like a broken record, but my fight's off. I take complete and full responsibility for not making weight. It's well documented that I've had issues with the weight cuts in the past, not just as female, but in general. Granted, every a lot of female fighters make weight, but it is more challenging for females. Females, yeah, because of their hormones and their period. And then it's harder for the, it's like when they have babies, you know, it's tougher to get down to your normal Mm -hmm. weight. So every time they cut weight, it happens with bodybuilders. So when they cut down for a show, every time it gets tougher and tougher to make that weight. Mm. And as fighters get older, men, when they cut, it gets tougher and tougher to cut down the weight via, you know, Nick Diaz, stuff like that. Uh, It's well done that I've had issues with the weight cut in the past, not just the film, but in general, there are times you think that you do everything right and then Mother Nature comes into play. But bottom line is you've got to prepare for anything and everything. I thought that I had, I wish I had the knowledge experience of season fires, yet I'm nine and one, 10 fights in my professional career, something that I'm getting better at that should be better at, but I commit to be better as I move forward. I make no excuses. Apologies to the UFC who has invested so much time to the matchmakers, my opponent, my fans, supporters, family, but most of all to my team who sacrificed so much for a chance to win inside the octagon for a fight camp that normally lasts three months, in this case, five months, came down to one pound. Ain't that bad a bitch? I can only say I apologize and have to do better. I'll be better. There are no other options as I love the sport and want to continue to do what I love best. I'm sorry I will be better. Listen, UFC doesn't like uh, some of the shit Strickland said or some of these other guys, but one thing that they hate more than anything is people that miss Miss weight. So Misha Tate says, uh, and so she uh, retweeted that big uh, apology, but it's one thing to miss weight. It's nothing to try and... Cheat the scale. Cheat the scale. Sorry, there's a bar in front of the fucking thing. <laughs> Cheat the scale and use every excuse in the book to not weigh in properly. Everyone saw you cheated and it still came in a pound over. I bet you were every bit of 139. So this weighing process was a long time and she f- actually wore her gear. She wore like a sweater. Why? I don't know. So that's and why that was one thing that was weird. Stage? Afterwards, yeah. Oh no, weighed in? Like, so when she, she waited on with her clothes on. And so you could see a her pound hair. over? No, no. This is when she was like 139 or something like that. See, she has her sweatshirt on yeah that's strange they didn't get the towel out Mm-mm. and then finally let's see. so 141 with all the clothes on and then she strips it down oh she thought she was gonna make it and it takes a while for this to happen and i think misha's calling her out because she had one hand up and another hand up yeah she's trying to make weight yeah yeah she's doing everything probably, she can probably to touching weight. that thing yeah but i mean if you had an issue making weight you're gonna do everything you fucking can of course uh, you know, I, I get what Misha's saying because Misha's, you know, never miss weight and obviously a legend and we all love Misha here. But also, you don't need to kick a girl while she's down, man. Like, clearly, she's going to do whatever it takes to make the fucking weight. And this is her coach, Jim West. Jim West fires back, Kyrie Misha Tate versus just Aspen to cheat. Who wouldn't, though? He goes Can't... hard on her. Oh, does he? Yeah, super hard. Let's go here. Misha Tate, you are a coward. Remember when you lied saying you wanted to fight late notice at 145, but you were on record saying we wanted at 135? We we know for a fact you said you didn't want that t- that want that tough of an opponent. Trust me. He has good good side good, good inside information, info. and then he goes here. Uh, cheat, you dumb fuck. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, he goes hard. Dumb fuck, God. Would you rather be called a dumb fuck or a human? Uh, what do you call him? <laughs> a moron of a person. I think dumb fuck's better. Yeah, dumb fuck's like it's right. funnier. Yeah, but moron of a human, tough. Tough. Uh. You dumb fuck. She weighed in, in with damp sweats, short socks, sweats, etc. was four pounds. If you can do simple, simple subtraction. subtraction. I think it was 137. Cheat. Please explain that fucking magic. And then he goes here. 
Please try and stand still with hands in the air while you're dehydrated, dizzy, and nauseous, all while trying to hold yourself because you're bleeding. You better hope you never have to fight Aspen. Oh, wait, you probably won't, you coward. Yeah, they should fight. Well, now. Uh, only, my only thing is calling Misha a coward and all this stuff. Obviously Misha's not. never missed a win. No. She's, she's not a coward. Definitely not a coward. No. Aspen can because, you know, Misha's calling her out. But when coaches get involved, it's like, it's a little dicey. You know? This, remember this one with this girl? Like, she fell down and they put her, helped her back on the that's scale. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. That's who I'm talking that's about. That's the one. Yeah, when they pass out and they're like, all right, it's like weekend at Bernie's Wayne. <laughs> Julia. Yeah, they're like, Stolarenko. all right, just fucking hold her up by her ponytail. And she's all. But luckily they canceled that girl, fight. She made it. Fighting tomorrow night. And you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel It's right. ridiculous. Yeah, it's. Finally, they're like, all right, enough's enough. This mm-hmm. bit, and she's about to die. And this is Aspen Lad's response, too. You are a show. champ, a pioneer in MMA. I have a great deal of respect for you. Bottom line is I didn't make it. There's documented history struggles. Uh, one or 10 pounds. The bottom line is I didn't get on taking control to rectify the situation, not engage with this negative, this, with the negativity this, that has, this brought. has brought. So she's taking the high road, and she's actually, she's taking ownership of it. She's not saying, oh, this, this is... I messed it's, up. It's, it's on the me only regardless. thing you can do because then if you want to quiet down social media, if she pays attention to it, there's nothing. Like if you make an excuse, it's going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. But when you own it, the way TJ owned, you know, with EPO or you know, the way Lance Armstrong eventually owned it after m- millions of lives. But once you own it, there's nothing really they can do to you. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I fucked up. And people are like, yeah, that's why you fucked up. Like, yeah, I said that. <laughs> All right, whatever. On exactly. to the next one. Yeah, you got. You just got to come out. So we already know about the whole Jake Paul tattoo, but yeah. so Dan Hardy was accusing him of making it or saying that's not real. And if you actually look really closely at this tattoo, it does sort of look like pen, right? So Dan Hardy saying that it looks like he just wrote up with a pen. If you actually focus, like zoom in on it. But why is it? Uh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but when but we look like that, yeah, why no, is it red? Like that, it looks like a tattoo for sure. But when you zoom in, it does look Maybe a little a really good tattoo artist. So then Tyron Woodley posted this. Yeah, I don't think... Woodley's a a guy, yeah, yeah. There you go. Dan Hardy and Woodley are going at each other. Yeah, hard, so huh? that's what brings but up. Do they want to fight each other? It seems like it seems like Dan Hardy probably wants to fight Woodley. Yeah, and that's where this is coming from. Yeah. So then this is Dan Hardy talking we'll see about. See if him. we got the kid's name. I thought the speculation was that it's he did get I and then blank Jake Paul tattooed and um, then filled in the love with a pen so that he could just put in more <laughs> Oh, that's tight. Yeah. Definitely the love part too, yeah. Because everything else has it, that little thing around it. might be a baller ass tattoo artist. So sometimes they're so good, it's a light pen. And and I bet you he's asked because you know I have a million tattoos. If you get it on your hands or feet, it rubs off. So if he's like, hey, don't go super deep. I don't want this on there for fucking ever. Because I bet after two years, that thing. And if he's in the sun or he's lifting weights, that thing's gonna rub off. It's not gonna be there. Mm. Yeah, there's gonna be like some of it, but it's not gonna be that dark. So he might have told the tattoo artist to go light, and that's why it's not all agitated. Yeah. I would be willing to bet that he did get that tattoo. I like Casey was saying, like when you zoom more on this one with that Twitter video, you can see that he just says I and then Jake Paul. Wrote in love? Yeah. Potentially. Either way, you have a Jake or Paul. Or wasn't tattoo. finished yet. Yeah. Because even you know, even down the road, kids are like, we have a grown man's fucking <laughs> it says I hate Jake Paul. I'm like, what that? What is that all I know. about? And then you gotta fucking you stop Jake it. Paul yeah. on your finger. Either way, it's not great. Yeah. Anyone who knows tattoo, that's not a tattoo. What a dork. That's Dan Hardy. Keep my name out of your mouth. Name name ain't dick. I told you once, you haven't fought in a century. You're a spectator and fan now. Just watch buy event t-shirts. You can't get cleared to thumb wrestle. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Your career is embarrassing. You claim to fame as you got stomped by GSP and didn't die. Everything was by design. 
I'll keep setting trends while you tweet. And then Dan Hardy. So he left out the love part, and that's written in pen. T. Woodley, well played. It looks like your tattoo friend did uh, did when you were both drunk. It looks like your tattoo friend did when you were both drunk. All right, not great grammar, whatever. An embarrassing tattoo is one thing, but a bad embarrassing tattoo is uh, another. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You're trending because you got Jake Paul tattooed on your finger. Well done. Clap emoji. Congratulations on your championship success. I remember the crowds booing and appreciation as you wore your heel out against the fence, back it up. Avoiding. Ah, come on, Dan. He had some great fights, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I can't talk shit to uh, Woodley or, like, TJ Dillashaw. Not that I would ever. <laughs> or, like, John Jones or Stipe or Cain Velasquez because they were all champions. I never touched that. So it's like you can't really touch that type. If 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 Hardy was a champion, go further. The only difference is Hardy's such a good analyst. To me, he's top three as far as break. If you want like fucking inside baseball, balls deep breakdown of fights, there's nobody better than Hardy. There's nobody better. Not even close, man. He's the best we have. So he's you know become a champion outside the ring. So I guess maybe you could talk some shit, but it's a little weird to talk shit about a guy, you know. If you haven't accomplished the same. Yeah, but it's, it's weird to talk shit when, you know, to critique a guy who was a champion on his fight. Like, if you want to talk shit about his tattoo, more power. That makes sense. That, that's ridiculous. But to talk shit about his fighting style when you weren't a champ is tough. Mm -hmm. Okay, so after all this, um, this is the last thing Tyron said, but it's whatever. He put belts and titles, things you dreamed of. They cheered, cheered as you were carried out on a stretcher. Champs now were in Champs diapers now last diapers. time we fought. Keep living your dream on the on the bag in your garage from Outlaw, from Outlaw to, to Uber, Uber Black, Black driver. At least said Uber Black. Yeah, and then uh, I think Dan Hardy said something like, well, we're the same age or something like that. I just fought people back in the days when GSP, the longest reigning champ, was there. It's, it's a weird thing. to. And then Dan Hardy released DMs. Ah, oh, man. I know. So he said, keep my name out of your mouth. You stay smiling in the face and the quiz talk shit behind cameras and keyboards. He put, mate, I talk shit to your face. You talk a big game and then shit the bed. You stood and stared at the kid for eight rounds and then call for an immediate rematch. Laughable. Laughable. And he says, you never tasted gold. You're a mosquito. I'm glad your post got you a little taste of greatness. When was your last fight? Don't worry. No one cares. Laughing emoji. When was the time you showed up to a fight? Woodley, mm -hmm. well played. Keywords, when, when I step in there, you washed. I'll mail you a dryer for Christmas. Be well, mate. You've been trying to tell me how to behave at the top for ages. I'll add a signed T-shirt, too. And then uh, laughing emoji. And then it's always weird to laugh at your own jokes, whatever. Uh, and then um, Dan Party. Hardy says, your jokes, mate. Good luck with the rematch. Try to hit him this time. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. This fan base likes beef. Well, unfortunately, Instagram is down right now. Oh, man. But uh, so there was a 9-1 audio call that was released. Oh, hi, hopefully it'll work here. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, yeah. She's not, um, she's not admitting to any domestic, any domestic violence, any physical violence. Um, but, I mean, she's bleeding from the nose and mouth. So that's more details. We thought it was just the lip, and then she said, oh, my, my lips were dry. Yep. But if her nose and her lip, obviously there's, there's definitely domestic violence there. Yeah, and then didn't John post a picture of them like yes. this thing? This thing was just odd. I'll stay with you. Oh, I'll stay with you. It was that John Legend song that was playing in the background. She's all. She looks. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> no. uh, definitely. 
want to do this. Uh, her face seems to have healed. But uh, yeah, that's just... I don't know, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I can't fuck with him after that. The kids ain't call the cops, man. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Fuck that guy. So many reasons why. So Chael Sonnen actually has his take on it, saying that by kicking him out of the UFC, it's not punishing him. Leaving him in is, is better for his punishment. Leaving him in and not giving him fights is punishment. Oh, he's saying leaving him in, and if everyone hates him, if there's fighters out there that hate him, and that's your opportunity to beat him and fight him and potentially, you know, win and do it legally. That's not punishment. Oh, Chael. I know. he was Chael, that's cute. Here's the thing. <laughs> it's not punishment if he makes $20 million fighting Francis Ngannou. That's not a of punishment. Course. The yes. punishment, the real punishment would be, and the UFC does not need him. They don't need anybody. The real punishment would be if the UFC doesn't fight him because of these legal issues and just keeps him under contract so he can't go elsewhere and make millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing with John is you look at his track record and there's no accountability. There's no punishment whatsoever. Beyond that, they change things for him. And even like one of the markers that he's just a complete narcissist, Chael brought this point up, and it's a great point. One of the key markers, you're like, Jesus Christ, dude, is when he gets arrested, he goes, how are you guys going to do this on the biggest night of my life? It's like, bitch, you're the one who hit your wife. What are you talking about? You think these cops give a flying fuck? You're in the UFC Hall of Fame for UFC 165? They don't care. And the first thing he says, how are you going to do this on the biggest so night of my life? him. No, how are you going to do this on the biggest night of your life? How are you going to get in the Hall of Fame and then hit your wife, you piece of shit? Yeah. Now I say that to his face, probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Would you still want him on food truck? Nope. Not anymore, right? Never, mm. never, never. Nope. Can't have that dude. Yeah. Uh, so I know it do good numbers, stuff like that. Just can't do it. Can't do it. I can't do it. You touch your wife, man. I can't have you associated with me in any facet. Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, Dana White had a really good rant when, you know, Oscar De La Hoya saying that he paid Chuck Liddell way more money than you paid him and all that stuff. Yeah, not true. <laughs> so... This is a press conference for the Contender Series, and he just went off and he started pulling out all these different numbers. Like, oh, he's ready. Here, here, here. Yeah. He's super ready. You think maybe he asked the reporter to bring it up? <laughs> I know. Oh, you're going to do this now? That's what he says to the reporter. All right, let's do this. But uh, this is basically in a nutshell. Uh, it's none of your business, uh, he told everybody. It's none of your business how much it is. That's it. I mean, that's what people are always ask about. You know, what, what about this? What about that? Listen, if you don't like how we run our business, go start your own. Agree. Mm-hmm. Then he goes here. Yeah. Uh, you don't like the way we pair fighters? Too fucking bad. Go start another MMA organization, and you go fucking figure out how, how to do it. And you can pay them $10 million a fight, $3 million a fight, whatever you want to do. We run a business we've been very good at. Um, not only do we run business, we continue to grow the sport and take everybody along with us. Yeah. It's true. I mean, he is growing the sport. Like nobody else. Mm-hmm. So Dan Hooker is a badass. As you know, uh, Islam Makhachev lost his, uh, lost his opponent. So He's supposed to fight uh, Dosan? Yeah, uh, the RDA. Yeah, RDA. And then Dan Hooker agreed to fight him right after Ooh. his fight too. I'll tell you what, man. I know we're, uh, especially the, the team here, where I'm Makhachev's uh, nuts, his Dagestanian nuts, which I'm willing to bet a lot of money they're hairy as fuck. But... Uh, <laughs> I would, it's a tough fight for Makachev. Dan Hooker's experience in bigger fights. Makachev's just trying to figure out how to deal with main events. Dan Hooker's been in the big fights before. He has the, he's very savvy, has a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. This is a much, much more competitive fight than a RDA. Yeah, what a badass Hooker is. Fuck yeah, I love Hooker, man. Mm-hmm. 
Also, Hooker, move with your boy Izzy to L.A., man. <laughs> I have all the shoe hookups, restaurant hookups, whatever you need, guys. Yeah, hopefully he comes here. And we can do food trucks every other week if you want. Podcasts out here, too? Sure. Yep, you can in use this, my studio. Exactly. Yeah, Dan's podcast, right? Yeah, they yep. both have. Yep. Hmm? You guys, I have a big-ass studio for you guys at Thick Boy. I'll save it Join. just for you guys. Hell yeah. I have people foment the dick to get in there and record podcasts. I will save it for you guys if you tell me you're coming. <laughs> All right, more fight announcements. Chris Dawkins, who's like on a four-fight win streak, all like TKOs and KOs. Yeah, he's a stud. Just started, yeah. He's going to fight Derek Lewis on December Great 18th. Great fight. Good fight. Mm-hmm. And our boy, Rob Font. Yeah. That's a tough fight for your boy. December uh, 4th, yeah. Jose Aldo. Rob Font got But that's, yeah. That's a huge, huge name. That's a great fucking fight. All righty. Derek Brunson, Jared Cannonier, UFC 270. Wish that news came out the week before he was on food truck. Because <laughs> when I said Jerry Kennedy, he's like, yeah, I'll do it. So he didn't know actually at that time, uh, I think? Okay. Uh, he, he thought he was going to be a, he wanted to wait for the Taj shot and be a replacement for Izzy and Whitaker. But he was like, but we don't know when that fight's going to happen. So I don't know what we're going to do. I was like, yeah, but it makes sense to fight Jerry Kennedy. He's like, yeah, I'll do it if they make <laughs> me. But I guarantee you, they're like, you beat Kennedy, you get a undeniable yeah. shot. Yeah. For sure. Go Bronson. Hell yeah. And you remember how Dominic Cruz, uh, well, Sean O'Malley was calling out Dominic Cruz for December, and Dominic Cruz was like, I already have a date, so he's fighting Pedro Munoz That's an for UFC 269. That's a good fight. Yeah. Two old heads going at it. And speaking of Sean O'Malley, remember how he said he, said he wanted to get like either really top guys? Or, wait, he no, wanted, he wanted to, fight, to fight, yeah. His, yeah, he wanted to fight the slower guys because mm-hmm. he has two fights left on his contract, and he's not getting paid to fight the bigger guys. They're, yeah, exactly. So he did it? He, wow. They did it. Wow. I had to like Google this guy because I forgot who he was, Roland Pavia. But then, so he's 21 he's and 30. He's no punk. No punk. And this is the guy. I remember him by looking at him. Yeah, now. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a tough customer. For sure. And old heads, Cub Swanson and Darren Elkins. Oh, that's fun. Yep. First team all violence. Long on the tooth. All that stuff. So that's uh, December 18th. And then this one's a tough one for Greg Hardy. Oh, that... Yes and no, just because Olenek gets hit. But if he gets him, uh, I mean, all yeah, all uh, Olenek has to do is survive the first round, and then if he just trips him down the ground, it's fu- he's going to choke him unconscious. But that first round's going to be fun. Yeah. If you're a Greg Hardy fan, you're praying to God it doesn't go past the first 40 <laughs> seconds. It doesn't get taken down. And for Greg Hardy, it's, uh, you know, this, this is the UFC. Yep. He's coming off a loss. Oh, here's Olenek. He has 90 fucking fights. And he chokes everybody unconscious. Yeah. Oh, you suck at jujitsu? Here's Olenek. I know. <laughs> but Olenek's striking, you know, but, you know, Olenek's beat Travis Brown and, he's, and fucking Mark Hunt. Like, he's a monster, dude, and can take a punch. Yeah. So we'll see. But you're saying he does take punches. That's the problem, He right? gets hit. Yeah. All right, what do you think about this? This is Javier Mendez talking about Conor McGregor and Jake Paul. And he says Jake Paul has more of an advantage over Conor McGregor if they were to box. Because of his size? Yeah. Before you even go into this, mm-hmm. I, would, I assume Javier Mendez, who's a legend, knows what the fight's talking about. I'm assuming he's going to say size and that Jake Paul's advantage is he's focused on boxing and not MMA. Yep. And yep. he go. says size, power, and obviously it's mostly boxing that he's doing, if not all yeah, boxing. Yeah, he's focused on boxing. Yeah, yeah there's, some gra- there's some ground to that. Again, none of this Jake Paul, Conor stuff happens unless the UFC lets Conor play ball. I just don't see them doing that with Jake Paul. Hmm. They might. If Conor loses again in the the UFC, they're going to try and squeeze every dollar they can out of him, and this would be a big, big money play. Big money play. It would be huge. Yeah. 
enormous. Connor beats Jake. Yes. Alrighty. This is Clarissa Shields talking about her never never putting herself in a position to be in Jake Paul's undercard. She doesn't. She's way too high uh, above that. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just play it for you real quick. And Serrano got on a Jake Paul card, which was on Showtime. A lot of people watched that. Do you ever want to be on a Jake Paul card as well and maybe get that grand stage as she got? Don't ever disrespect me. I would never fight on the undercard of Jake Paul. I'm a three-time division world champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist in boxing. I would never fight on the undercard of Jake Paul. Before I get on um, on the undercard of a guy that's having a circus show, you know, like, no disrespect to Tyron Woolley, no disrespect to Jake Paul, but I'm a real boxer. Like, I can beat up Jake Paul at the weight class I'm at right now. Ooh, that'd be interesting. I would never. I don't know if he's going to get sanctioned, but I'd watch that. Because it's the skills or the accomplishment that I have. Definitely there's that. And I agree with her. And she's definitely valid to feel like that. You know, she's the the face of women's boxing. However, however, Jake Paul's made more in one fight fighting Ben Askren or Tyron Woodley than she's made and that she'll probably ever make in her entire single career. Yeah, and so she can hate on it, but it's like fuck. She mentioned that this the goal is prize fighting, which this is what we are as prize fighters, and the the goal is to make the most money possible. All right, keep keep fighting PFL. Yes, and then she even said that how much is Serrano making? Like you know, seventy five hundred thousand, whatever. She says she's not a hundred thousand fighter; she's a million dollar fighter. Sure. I mean, I don't know how she can, other than the PFL. There, there is no dollar million dollar purse. female boxer. Yeah, it's just the market value. People aren't into female boxing. It is what it is. Alrighty, there's um, million dollar MMA female fighters. There's several of them. Yeah, and that's why she's over in MMA. That's why she came over to here. Trust me, if she's making all the money in the world, she'd continue to be in boxing. She came over to MMA because the fighters make the most in MMA. Yeah. I'm sure there's Floyd's and there's the Anthony Joshuas and the Tyson Furies, but as far as female, female goes, you're making no money in female boxing. Yeah, nobody's doing that. There's a reason why she's in MMA. Indeed, she wants to make money. All right, so. Uh, also with the PFL, Julia Budd signs with PFL. And then I think Mark Raimondi put it out. Like, she's only lost to Ronda Rousey, Chris Cyborg, and then Amanda Nunes. Yeah, the best of the best. Yeah, the best yeah. of the best. That's cool. So that's a big signing for PFL. Um, oh, I saw this article. This guy's from, I think, yeah, Bloody Elbow. He's saying that Joe Rogan could and should be replaced. You know how you miss one of the fight cards to go hunting? Because he's hunting? Yeah. Him. So this guy wrote this whole article about why he... Uh, all, the only reason this guy did this is because Attention? He, wants, he wants clicks. Yep. And obviously, we're talking about, I've never heard of the guy. Uh, as an MMA writer, it's tough enough as it is. But whenever you include Rogan's name or any of our names, you're going to get clicks. And that's why he did this. I mean, you might as well say Rogan can do fucking magic. It, to say Rogan should be replaced, it's just such... It's like you're echoing to the 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 world into the galaxy and you're not going to get any response back because mm. let's talk about it. So obviously Rogan has a hard stance on, you know, COVID stuff like that and however you feel about it. That's why he wrote this article. Cause obviously the left is going after Rogan right now. So it's a hot time to write a stupid piece like this. <laughs> and so he misses a UFC. All right. And he's like, girl, oh, no one missed him. Well, we all missed him because he's the, the best there ever is. Mm-hmm. So do you think by writing this article, it, the guy who is in charge of him is basically his boss is Dana White. Dana doesn't hate anyone more on this earth than people like this. 
So do you think that when Dana sees this article, he's like, maybe he has a point here? Of course not. Dana and Rogan are best friends. They came up together. Rogan is the most famous man in the UFC. I I would say the most famous period, especially now. With the Spotify deal, all the left coming after him. He's become public enemy number one since Trump's out of the office. So when you talk about that name value as far as fame, there's nobody more famous on the planet than Joe Rogan in the UFC. So there's that, and he just happens, just happens to be the best <laughs> analyst that they have. There's that too. You cannot tell me that when DC, Rogan, and Anik together, that it's not a better quality product. Everybody knows this, but this is going to, you know, because, again, you got to separate Rogan's opinions, however you feel about it, his political beliefs or his vaccine beliefs, or they took Messina uh, better in two days, which you guys hate. You got to separate that into the X's and O's, the black and white of his job, which he's very, very good at. And what he missed one because he's hunting. Yeah, man, he has a life. He has a life. Oh, you miss it because you're hunting. So it's like, this would be the biggest Argus guy's ever going to write. Nobody goes to this fucking page. I'm sure they'll write a hit oracle on this, but this is what, this is what MMA, MMA media has to do. They have to, they have to come up with something to get clicks. They have to. This is what they do. Mm -hmm. you, you look at it from top with Ariel. Look at it now. Oh, negativity. Ne look at me, guys. Negativity, negativity. All right. That's what you have to go. You probably don't have any talent because people making real moves, making real money. Is Joe Rogan ever negative? Am I ever negative in here? Very rare. Very, very rare. But if you don't have talent, that's what you have to do. It'll definitely get more clicks for sure. And no one that's ever been in Joe Rogan's spot or has competed in the UFC has ever thrown shade at Joe Rogan. It's only people that report on the weather talk shit on others that have actually been in the storm because there's a mutual level of respect for those of us that have paid the price and rogan hasn't but everybody realizes the skill and talent that rogan has and the credibility he brings to the sport and what he's done for the sport so it's people these soy boys that are outside the <laughs> realm that try you're bro all these guys all these journalists all this bullshit website you're not even in the club as Chris Brown says, you're in the line trying to get in the club. You're, you can never get in the club. You're not in. So what they do is, is the, the line of people outside the club who need to be relevant and talk shit to get clicks because nobody's paying attention. Unless you book some big name fighter or you have 17 fighters on your show, nobody gives a fuck about your personal opinion. So you have to somehow muster something, trying to figure it out. Stir the pot. Because everything you've ever done has never worked out for you. <laughs> That's how these guys operate. And it doesn't end well for any of them because they don't have any talent. Nobody's paying attention. So they have to book big guests or they have to talk shit about Joe Rogan just to get views. Because if they get on here and rant on a camera like I do for an hour, nobody listens because they've never walked the walk. They've never been in the fire. They're reporting on the storm. I've been in the storm. Joe Rogan Hasn't been the storm, but he's witnessed more storms than anybody in the world. He's also a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's also an inspiration to millions and millions of people. He's also made millions, hundreds of millions of dollars off a of podcast. He's an entrepreneur. These other guys work for the man because they have to. Because they don't have talent. They don't have creativity. They don't have the work ethic to hang with guys like me and Joe Rogan. 
So that's where this hate comes from. And nobody fucks with it. Name one person in this line of work, whether it's entertainment, podcasting, stand-up comedian, journalism, that can make a living off hating on others. Name one guy where they get longevity with that. It will never work out for you. Never. You might get a, a small group of people like, yeah, this is cool, man. Fuck Joe Rogan. Fuck Shab. Cool, man. But the majority of the world likes positive shit. They like, they like people that do. They like people that put out, that people don't miss podcasts. They, like, they, they recognize hard work, and that's what brings people. That's what people gravitate towards. Because we all have that friend who's negative Nancy, and how's his life going? Lights are cut off, can't feed the kids, trying to figure shit out. What you put out in the world, you get back, man. So this guy, congrats, buddy. You did it. I bet we never hear from him again. Ever, ever again. And it's cool to hate on Joe Rogan right now, right? Because he has a different stance. And you can't separate the two. But I guarantee you'd rather trade spots with Joe Rogan than whatever the fuck it is that you do. You think this is journalism? No, this is a hit piece. This is a hit piece. When you wrote this, I'm sure your editorials were like, oh, this is great, man. This get clicks. Now what are you going to do, dude? We're going to write an article about me? We're going to write an article about Chael Sonnen? People that actually do shit with their lives? What are you going to do? Where do you go from here? You know, write an article on Mackenzie Dern in the main event? Nobody's going to read? What are you going to do, dude? You know, you're going to write an article on the recap of Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? I'm on your show and hopefully people tune in. What are you going to do? You're going to book more talented people so we tune in? What are you going to do? And you know what Joe Rogan does? Or what I do? We don't respond to it. Why? Because we're so fucking busy doing what we do, staying in our lane. While you guys take shots. It never works out for anybody. Even this will bring on shots. Just saying this. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't see any of it. Because I bank on myself. Mm-hmm. You guys are sheep. And you write articles like this, where you have to interview 17 fighters, to people to tune in your show, been fired from every job you've ever had. Is what it is, man. There you go. Haters going to hate. That's definitely a hater piece. Great article, my man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I saw this from Korean Zombies Instagram. Unfortunately, like I said, Instagram's not working right now, but it's on his YouTube. So it's like some underground fighting league that he did, does in Korea. And it looks pretty badass. Shoot, he's fighting in it? No, no. I think he's probably a promoter. This video's lit as fuck. Yeah, and check out these uh, Korean dudes. Some look pretty crazy. And what's Korean Zombie have to do with it? I think he's a, uh, maybe he's like part of the God, how do I get involved? That dude, it's freaking oh tattoos. Oh my God. This is that Lionheart Korean edition. <laughs> Jack, dude. Oh, but they have boxing gloves on? Yeah. You know what my problem is? Hmm. Is it's, oh, that's cool. It's not underground enough for me. I need them in parking lots. I need, I need money flying. Ooh, I like the smoke. I know. That kind of it makes it a little sh- more underground. I like, I like it. To, if it's underground, I want parking lots. I want shitty lighting. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, I want that level of rawness. Rawness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But good on Korean Zombie. For sure. This fight right here, you better be preparing. 
better train your, your he said prepare you your life depends on it his vocabulary is my favorite thing depends on it don't go up miss <laughs> i'm gonna smash your fucking face <laughs> <laughs> How about that for a fucking message? <laughs> that was it. And he's in That's the Las funny. Vegas Raiders gear. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. That's just funny, yeah. Yeah, Fury looks ready to go. Ooh, be tough to bet on him. <laughs> bet against him, I mean. He looks ready to fucking go. You got to mm-hmm. worry where Fury or uh, Deontay Waters is his mental state going in this fight. Is that it, brother? It's pretty much it. He looks in. Like, Deontay looks jacked right now. Jacked. Yeah, Back yeah. against the wall. Bet he's never worked harder. I just don't know if it is enough to beat a guy like Tyson Fury who's been, like I told you, been doing it since he's been in fucking diapers. What is Schultz talking about here? All right, so this is what Gary pulled up. Uh, <laughs> this says, Jiu-Jitsu is worthless. So I'll play it up. Oh, you also said Jiu-Jitsu is worthless. Oh, no. In high-level MMA. Oh, uh, no, okay. Schultzy. <laughs> This is like me talking about politics. I really don't know what I'm talking about. I was on my troll mode, and then because I forgot how easy Twitter is, I didn't like. I haven't done Twitter actually in like years. It's not. It's not worth it. But I forgot how easy it is because it's so. It's so easy to tap into one group that really cares about something, say something inflammatory, and the people in that group that are on Twitter and active on Twitter. Or just are like are just losers, right? That they're all they're they're waiting, just for, waiting for yeah, a, there you a go. tweet that they can retweet and dunk mm-hmm. on, right? And I was like, oh god, I used to do this all the time, and then I realized it's just so not worth it. But for whatever reason, I was locked in that night. Yeah, and boy, it was going for it. <laughs> oh yeah, I said it was worthless. The jujitsu was worthless. Uh, not only that, you also suggested that there's only one thing that can be jujitsu. Dot dot dot. A normal amount of testosterone. <laughs> oh shit. Ah, that I do. Agree. What did he say? I agree. The only thing that could beat jujitsu is a normal amount of testosterone. I mean, I think this is half trolling for sure. Uh, no, right? That's Schultz. He's just fucking around. Yeah. He's a great dude. I agree with me. I think that if you have a normal amount of testosterone, I, I do believe that. So funny. I do believe that. I think if you have a normal amount of testosterone and someone puts you in a headlock, you'd be like, nah, fuck out of here. Oh, no, he's never rolled. Like, have anybody in jujitsu, and I mean this seriously, have you ever tried just going, ah, fuck off of me? Like, yeah, he's fucking, has, he's being funny. Have you tried that, you think? Because that might be the move that could get you out of here. It's going to be a woman that comes up to you and chokes you to fuck. Yeah, Yo, Mackenzie Dern would yeah. choke yeah. him unconscious yeah. and break his, and break his ankles. I, also, Schultz, he's not getting out of any guillotine with that nose. Next time you go to Cozy's, you're getting choked? No, fuck out. Listen, listen, listen. Now they only hire men. It's a Greek diner, okay? Let's just be serious, okay? The woman is at the register. You can stop it. He's fucking around. Okay, got it. I mean, just ignorance is bliss, man. But it's also fucking hilarious. He's a comic, man. Don't take him serious. All right. Well, that's pretty much it. Is that it? You got Fight Night, Mackenzie Dern, Marina Rodriguez. I'm curious how many people are going to tune into that. I know I'll tune in because Mackenzie Dern is one of my faves. But you have the trilogy Fury and fucking Wilder 3 in Las Vegas. Here's where it gets dicey. I'm also in Vegas. Thursday, Friday, (laughs) Saturday. My show Saturday night is when that fight's happening. It's boxing, though, right? So who cares? But uh, so wise guys, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I will be in Vegas so come on out. It's a new club, Wise Guys. It's uh, like downtown Vegas. It's for the locals or if you're in town. 
come and see a show. If you're flying in for the Fury fight on Thursday, come and show Thursday, Friday, or come Saturday and can watch it from the table on your phone and illegally stream it or whatever you guys do. Uh, but I am in Las Vegas, brand new club, Wise Guys. I think I'm the first headliner there. They're figuring it out. It's October 7th through the 9th. This Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. Me and the fucking squad are in Las Vegas, baby. And then uh, Brea, California is next week. One of my favorite clubs, Brea, California, Brea Improv, Orange County, October 15th through the 17th. And then Dallas is a big one for your boy. I'll announce it as we get closer. But Dallas, Texas, November 11th through November 13th, Addison Improv in Dallas, Texas. One of my favorite fucking spots. November 11th through the 13th. The next Calabas Fight Companion is the next pay-per-view UFC. And then November 6th, we got Canelo, Caleb Plant, UFC 268, Calabas Fight Companion. And that's November. And then December for the big card, we're also doing Calabas Fight Companion. So a lot of fun stuff coming up. Vegas, I will see you this motherfucking weekend. I can't wait. Brea, you're up after that. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for all the pause message all the time. Stay thick, man. Be safe out there. Enjoy the fights. Don't listen to me on bets. I'm super biased. Love you.